Trady Nut, episode 257. Don't get me wrong, I dislike the ICT cult. I'm not an ICT purist and I'm, I've always been open about saying that you do not need to have real deep understanding of ICT and you don't even need ICT to make money. When I started to notice it is when I had an, a patient who was on OxyContin and we didn't have the stock in and he flipped and I was like, wow, that was worse than some of my methadone patients who were coming in. It was from there where I had to really make a decision and say to myself, how the hell do I get out of this system? The system's put in place so we're not supposed to escape that system. It made absolute sense when I finally stumbled onto ICT. This guy was calling the highs and lows a week before they happened through the pit. And I thought, that's impossible. So that started to convince me that this guy knows something and what he knows, I want to learn it. And that's when I was like, I know that if I concentrate on this and I do it long enough, I'm going to get really, really good at it. I knew in the next 10 years, I'm going to be one of the best traders on the planet. And when ICT smashes the Robins World Cup next year and everybody realizes, oh shit, he wasn't wrong. They're going to understand that his students are going to next be the next wave of traders that take over everything. The algorithm is very limited in what it can do. And it's only going to do two major things is reprice to inefficiencies to rebalance, or it's going to reprice to liquidity above old highs or below old lows. You do not need anything other than that 2022 model. It is that damn good. And that's coming from somebody who studied this for years and years and years and years. And this is a great tip for anybody who is really studying with ICT concepts. Now I'm only keeping... What's up traders, we've got Ali Khan in the house, an ICT charter member who is about to drop a ton of value here in this interview and then we follow it up with a video as well where he breaks down a price chart and shows you how to get to ICT's favourite setup, so that's all coming up here on Trading Nut. Now before we dive in, I want to tell you what else is happening here. Now first up, remember we've got that merch pack from Black Bull Markets that we're giving away. You guys get a chance to win one of 10 if you sign up to Black Bull Markets, open up an account with them before the end of the year. Remember, we've got that 100% deposit bonus as well. Go and check that out. Now, I also want to mention that we've got a new silver sponsor here, the Apex Trader Funding. Now, if you're a futures trader looking to get funded, go and check these guys out. They've paid out more than any other futures prop firm. Talking about sponsors and prop firms, do remember to check out these guys, Blue Guardian. You can get a 10% off coupon, all one word, trading up. Link in the description for all this stuff. And whilst you're there, and if you're thinking, I want to jump on one of these live streams on trading up, trade one of these challenges, then you can get either an Apex or a Blue Guardian challenge and trade it on the Trading Nut live stream. There's a form to fill out. It's all below the video or in the podcast description. Now, folks, before we jump into the pod, I do want to mention a couple of other things. We still have the mystery trader over there on the Telegram channel dropping swing trades, and he's going to bring back the day trades as well. We might get him on the show in 2024, so stay tuned for that. And talking about 2024, we got a few other things dropping here as well and changes happening in Trading Nut, so stay tuned for that. Right, let's jump into the show. Not the last one for the year, but very close to the end of the year. So let's dive in. Our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know that they've just released an unlimited time evaluation with a zero trading days requirement, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets, making it super fast to get funded. Plus, it's cheaper than the 40-day time limit evaluation. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Ali Khan in the house the ICT from the ICT Academy. So welcome to the show. I'm loving your, uh, your backdrop there. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Thank you very much, brother. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I've been following you for years now. Um, 
And it's amazing because my mentor was actually on your on your show itself. So it's yeah, crazy. Yes, to... yes, ICT. That we was had him on years ago. I know. A yeah, long I time ago, before he'd even shown his face <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. I didn't even yeah, really yeah. understand who he was at that point. Uh, I know. I know. So no, it was you, you, kind of not like, many people knew about him. Yeah, it was it was kind of like a missed opportunity for me. But anyway, it is what it is. Now we're going to get some insight into how you have applied what he teaches and your yes. trading journey into profitability. And and I know you've got quite an interesting one. So do, do, let's start off with how you got into trading and that journey all the way through to to where you got profitable. And we'll dive in there a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's again it's a long story. Um, a lot of self discovery, self evaluation. Um, the journey started really. Um. It started, COVID was really where everything materialized and when I really made a decision that I really, I need to get out of my profession and I need to do this um, as a career. Um, at that stage, I wasn't profitable. I was all over the place in my trading. Um, I had been studying ICT for a few years, but what got me to the point of I want to trade and look for something outside of my job was the realization how badly we've been lied to through everything. And being somebody who went through the journey of going through school, college, university, being a pharmacist for nearly a decade, and being a cog in that machine, when COVID hit, everything sort of, it was, it, it put it into perspective for me, I guess. And I, it's like, I don't, I was giving out OxyContin like sweets. And when I really figured that whole thing out, I was like, yo, I was so unaware that I, I'm I'm giving this stuff out like sweets. And really when it started to when I started to notice it is when I had an, a patient who was on OxyContin and we didn't have the stock in and he flipped. And I was like, wow, like that was worse than some of my methadone patients who were coming in. And I was like, this guy really neat. He was rattling. And I thought, what is this stuff? Obviously, when I didn't we're not told. I, we, the, the the uni degree that I have is created by the pharmaceutical companies for me to push their products. And I didn't know that. So when COVID came, and that's a whole other story behind COVID, when I really started to research and dissect it and really know what COVID's about, it got to the point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. And I'm not wired to be a cog in the system. And I went through the whole journey really to please my parents in the end of it. And it, when it when it got to COVID and I mean, that was a horrible, tough time for everybody. And I was still working because I was still in pharmacy at the time. And there was one day where like the neighboring pharmacy had closed. The GPs weren't taking patients in. A&E was fully booked. And I, in that area, I was the only like place open. So, and I was there, <laughs> you know, you're in this stage where like you have a job to do. But then at the same time, like I've got staff who are, who are gone off sick. I'm working on skeleton stuff. Uh, I should have closed three hours ago, but I'm now here because I feel guilty that if I don't get this medication, now this is end of life medication to some people. This is this is palliative care stuff. This is stuff that's going to keep people alive. And I felt this responsibility that I have to do this. But then it was like my choice and my freedom has suddenly been taken away from me as well. And then when I really started to understand what COVID was about and that was a couple. It was horrible for everybody around the world. We all felt the same way. And in that time, like I, I didn't have the gym. Uh, you know, I've got friends and family who are passing away, couldn't see them, and I've put on like loads and loads of weight. I was at a real, real low point in my life. And it was from there where I had to really make a decision and say to myself, "How the hell do I get out of this system?" And obviously, 
the, the system's put in place, so we're not supposed to escape that system. Uh, from from education to the food we eat to the things we watch to the media to everything is completely controlled and manipulated. Which now I understand that helps me so much more in my trading because it made absolute sense when I finally stumbled onto ICT and realized how much manipulation really takes place. That absolutely everything is controlled. But I started my journey around 2016. This was quite a few years before COVID. This is like when I was sort of, I don't really count this year because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I just seen people were making money online trading and I thought to myself, how hard can this be? So I opened an account, threw a few hundred quid into it, had zero education, didn't know what I was doing. I was just, as the market's going up, I'm just buying it. And I'm like, oh shit, it's going the other way. Now I'm selling it and then I'm, I'm losing money. And um, I did it for a, a few months just, no idea what I'm doing, just willy-nilly throwing money into the markets and eventually lost all my money. And I thought, this is shit. I don't know how people make money in here. So I packed it in. And then like, like in prior to COVID, I got a, I started, started a business. I started my own pharmacy and uh, I started, uh, when you're building your own business from scratch, <laughs> you know, you still have to find an income somewhere. So I split it where I was, I, I, I opened a pharmacy and then I was locuming and I, a locum is like, it's like a supply teacher, I guess, you know, um, where you're filling in for another pharmacist if he, if he's not there. Um, the, the pay was slightly better, but what I ended up doing was, is I, <laughs> over the years, I, I think there's about 16 businesses that I've tried. Um, all I started my first business when I was like 18, uh, a supplements company, and I've gone from supplements. I've been in the food industry. I've, I've learned how to code to create apps. I've, um, I've, I've wrote a novel. I wrote a hundred thousand word novel. All of this I was doing whilst I was at work because I was like, I need something to get me out of this system because otherwise I'm stuck here till 60, 70 years old. And the way things are going, I'm not going to have a pension. So I was like, I need to do something outside of work, but I'm working 40, 50 hours a week and I'm doing 14 hour days back to back and trying to find the time to do anything is incredibly difficult. And that's when I realized the con for the money I was earning and the amount of hours that I was putting into it, especially now when I look back at how hard I used to work and how little I work now with the monetary gains that I get now compared to when I was doing 50, 60 hours a week sometimes, it's quite disgusting. And that is the reality for everybody who's in, that's what, that's the chains that have been put on us, right? You're forced to work, you pay your taxes, you pay your national insurance, you know, the cost of living is going up, inflation going up, people on minimum wage can barely pay the rent. And then they have to make a decision between, do I pay my, do I t t put the, the heating on today? And it's bloody cold and I call as shit in England, or do I eat today? And when I sat back and I really had to sit with that. I, it was it was horrible. Um, and this is why now I teach because I want to get as many people as I can. I'm super passionate about it because I think it's just this distrust for the whole system, for the mm. governments, for everything. Um, I won't go into all of that because it's, it's probably... <laughs> it's showing itself. <laughs> but after 2016, when I had that first few months of just throwing money away, um, 2017 came and... Again, I went through the same sort of thing and I was like, ah, this is shit, I need to get out. And that's when I started saying, okay, right, let me take this seriously and let me start doing this, like get some education behind me because I haven't really found a mentor. So let, let's give it a proper go, right? So 2017, I'm, I, I purchased my first course on trend lines for a hundred pound. 
and yeah, I didn't work. Um, and then I went to Ichimoku. I did Elliott Waves. I bought strategies and strategies. I must have spent thousands of pounds in 2017 of just trying to find something that is going to be tangible for me. Like, like the way I'm wired and the way I have to work is I have to know why. And I could never get that from indicators and any other course that I bought, any strategy, than any system. I was like, but why? Why is that indicator respecting it? What is price doing behind the scenes? And these are all the questions that I was having. And again, I was just losing money left, right, and center. I didn't really have a solid system in place. And don't get me wrong. I know that you can find an edge in the market. And with good money management, good risk management, you know, following your rules, you can make money. Any school of thought. It doesn't have to be ICT or whatever it is, right? But I still needed to know why. And I don't think I would have been able to properly take this seriously unless I knew why, right? And... Fast forward on to 2018, and again, I was at a point where I was about to give up. I thought, this, is, this isn't this is working. Um, and I ended up at a, a wedding for one of my friends, and the uni boys all got together and stuff because obviously we're all not met for a while. And I started talking to one of my friends, and he was, he was trading. And um, he'd only been in it for maybe six months himself, but he had we, – we're talking back and forth, and I said, nah, I've got – Nothing works. I said that the whole industry is is bullshit. I I've tried this, I've tried that. Nothing's working. And he just weirdly he was he said, "Oh, I've just joined up with a guy. Uh, he's called ICT." He says, uh, "I've I'm on his mentorship program, and I don't fully understand everything that he's talking about because it's quite technical. But he talks about how the algorithms run markets and how there's manipulation in these markets. And when I really thought about it, and I thought algorithms everything works on algorithms so it made sense to say that the markets might be booking algorithms but i didn't i didn't believe it at the time i thought okay let, let's see what this guy's about but again as fate would have it he was going back to uni he he owns an aesthetics business and he started to do well but in this country you you have to be a prescriber in order to prescribe botox and all that kind of stuff so he said i'm going to make the move to go back to uni and he needed to become a prescriber to do it right he was a pharmacist and he said, I'm not going to be using um, my account and stuff. I think he'd only been on it for a couple of months. And he says, I want to eventually get back to it. But if you want to take over it while I'm I'm going to be in uni for the next six, seven months, you know, you be my guest. Here's my password. Here's my details and see what you think. Uh, if you like it, then eventually you can buy it. If you don't, then, you know, at least you've not spent any money on it. So I thought, oh, that's fair. That's cool. At least I can go and see. So I... <laughs> I went with ICT and the very first episode I watched, he had a rant for an hour. And I'm sat there with my pen ready and thinking, <laughs> yo, let's see. I'm excited. I'm like, this guy's talking about all sorts of things, aliens, his tinfoil hat talks. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't learned anything. <laughs> so I left it. it was the very first episode I left it and I thought, you know what? I, I'm not, yeah, I, I can't hack this guy, right? Like, I need, I'm going to go and find something else. So I left it. It must have been about a month. And then my friend rang me again and he said, oh, how's it been? Have you have you found, learned anything from it? And I went, dude, guy's weird. I was like, I, he talks all kind of random shit. And like his, it's not like five minutes of random shit either. This guy's talking for an hour straight of random shit. And I'm like, I, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. 
Folks, Black Bull Markets have 10 merch packs to give away to clients who sign up before the end of the year, including one of these trader keys. So to go in the draw, all you need to do is sign up with the link below this video or in the podcast description, and you'll go in the draw to win. It's that simple. And remember, folks, when you sign up to Black Bull Markets through the trading nut link below, you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. All you need to do is click the link in the description below the video or the podcast. So I haven't, I've watched the first video and I've left it. And he was like, listen, the guy does talk a lot and he waffles a lot, right? But trust me, this guy's a beast, right? He says, I've been following him for a while, right? And stick with it. Just give it a few months and pay attention to what he's saying. He says, I'm not, he wasn't, he wasn't a profitable trader or anything at this point. Mm. He just, he just been following ICC for a while. And he says, the stuff that he talks about makes sense. And if you look at his commentaries, Look at where he's telling, saying price is going to go. And the next week, price goes there. And it's ridiculously precise. So he must know something. And so that, that's where the journey with ICT started. And I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to give this a proper crack. I'll give it a few months. Um, and that's where the journey started. It, it came to a point where every week when he was doing these commentaries, he was like, price is going to go to this level. And it went to that level. And I thought, shit, how did he know that? So then when you started to break it down, he started talking about the reason I know why price is going to go to do what it does before it does it is because I can read the algorithms in the market. I understand when, where, and how price is going to get to a specific price level. This guy was calling the highs and lows a week before they happened to the pip. And I thought, that's impossible. Unless he has some secret computer shit that he's doing, there's no way he can predict it because this is like fortune telling, man. This is ridiculous. I've never seen anybody do this. So that started to convince me that this guy knows something and what he knows, I want to learn it. But if anybody's delved into ICT, you look at the amount of content that there is and that's like, yeah, most people don't even want to start because it's ridiculously hard. So when I seen this guy's got thousands of hours of content, then it was a choice. I was like, man, I'm approaching my 30 soon at this point. And I'm like, do I want to invest the time into studying this? And do I trust him enough to do it? Bear in mind at this point, nobody on social media knew him. He had maybe five, 6,000 followers at the time on Twitter. Um, he was a demo baller. He wasn't showing live trading. So it was a complete, do I trust what this guy and does, does proof of concept work? But I could see it in his commentaries that every week he was calling price. So the proof of concept must work. Therefore, if it must work and that knowledge is transferable, maybe I can do it. And surely I started, I started to dissect it. I started to learn and work out what this algorithm was. I went back through all his YouTube videos. I went through all the basic stuff. But anybody, again, who's been with ICT for a number of years, like from 2018 till now, his teaching styles completely changed. The content that he's put out there has completely changed. But when we were with him back in the private mentorship, there was no structure. It was bits everywhere. He could talk about an order block and it would be spread over 15 different videos over months apart. And it's your job to sit down and make sure you've got all these notes. So I had to get all the content together and write down, okay, well, in this video, he's spoken about an order block. 
what makes a high probability order block? Well, he's not going to tell you in one video. He's going to space it out over multiple videos. So it's your job to start piecing the whole puzzle together. And he said specifically to us, he says, I'm not making this easy for you. That This is my life's work. I've put 30 years into it. And those of you who are going to sit and really sift through all of this content and make, you're the ones who I, I want as my students. You're the ones who are going to become successful in this. But I'm not going to make this easy. He ended up making it easy when he went onto YouTube. He put everything out there easy for free, way better. And I wish that he had done that in the beginning because, man, I would have saved so many blown accounts and so much like stress and pulling my hair out. But then I sat down with myself and it was funny because I was speaking to the wife about it. And she says, yeah, but you know what? You've enjoyed the journey and look how well you know it. And there's a reason why now there's thousands of people around the world who want to learn from you because you've learned it better than 99% of the world mm -hmm. out there. And it's true. The reason I learned it so well is because I couldn't get chart time. And that's really what it boiled down to. I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm running a business. I'm, I'm trying to, I've got a family to provide for. I've got bills and mortgages and I'm, I'm, I'm working seven days a week. I'm working flat out. And I knew at that point, I was convinced that there was an algorithm in the markets because I had to go back and once I dissected it and I could start seeing these things in price myself and I could start calling levels myself and it would go there. And I said, it's going to get to that level at this time and it's going to turn around. And when it would do it, it was like doing magic. I'm like, how did I call that level? And it's turned exactly to the pit. Like that was insane. And that's when I was like, I know that if I concentrate on this, and I do it long enough, right? I'm going to get really, really good at it. But then there was a problem. There is a huge difference between being able to read price and being able to trade, right? So mm. I understood this at the point because now by this stage, this is COVID. I'm, I'm now taking this seriously and I'm trying to trade. And even though I've got two, three years of like ICT technical science behind me, I'm still a shit trader. So I'm like, well, how, do, how do I bridge that gap? I realized that I needed chart time. And at the point, at that point, I, there was just no way in my personal life that I could find chart time. I was like, um, I need to get the experience, but I'm so busy. So this is what I'm going to do is I knew that if I learned these concepts very, very, very well, eventually I'll find time to start getting into the charts, the experience and the psychology, even though they're lagging right now, they'll catch up. And when that experience catches up and my mindset and the psychology and everything aligns, and then I've got six years worth of ICT hardcore knowledge behind me, I knew in the next 10 years, I'm going to be one of the best traders on the planet. And when ICT smashes the Robins World Cup next year and everybody realizes, oh shit, he wasn't wrong. They're going to understand that his students are going to next be the next wave of traders that take over everything. And People look at it and say, oh, it's arrogance. But it's completely not because it's confidence when you understand what you can do in these charts, when you see the money that you can make in these charts and you can predict what price is going to do. And I'm not the only one who can do it. There are thousands and thousands of people around the whole world who will vouch for absolutely everything that I'm saying. There's just no debate anymore about, oh, do algorithms book price? Because there's far too many people who have back-tested, studied it, dissected it over many, many years who arrived to the conclusion that actually there is no other way market can book. It has to be booked on an algorithm. So eventually the psychology caught up with the knowledge and that's when everything really, really took off for me. I was able to start making real income and it got to the point where I could now take days away from working 
I'd cut from seven days to six to five to four. The business started to pick up in itself in the pharmacy. And then it got to a stage. And this was this was a huge one because I had to sit down with a wife and say, listen, I want to take this seriously. I want to sell the pharmacy. And she's like, you want to do what? And I was like, I want to sell the pharmacy. Yeah, you, you're not selling the pharmacy. Like that's your lifeline. That's what you've worked hard for. You, you can't stop being a pharmacist. And at this stage, I wasn't making an enormous amount of money. I just seen the trajectory and I seen, wow, I can do this. The psychology started to get better. And what really happened, what changed it was, is when I started to really self-evaluate, I had already had the diagnosis by this point that I have ADHD. And that's when I started to really pinpoint like what's going on. Why isn't my trading clicking? Because I'm all over the place. My psychology is all over the place. My discipline's all over the place. I'm, I'm 16 stone at the time. I'm really, really fat. And I'm trying to find a way where I need to get some sort of routine. So the number one thing, and it's interesting because now that I'm in this position where I am and I'm seeing traders and millionaires all over the world and I sit and have dinner with them and it's just a completely different life that I have right now. I'm able to sit and find out like the psychology of people who are successful. And whether it's a trader, whether it's somebody who is an entrepreneur, who is a CEO, who owns a business, they all have the very similar traits. Is this this desire, this hunger, this self-belief? And something that I really, really noticed about all of them is that they have this thing about self-evaluation. They're able to evaluate themselves critically to find out where their weak areas are. And then they work on them. If you cannot find out where you are weak, how are you supposed to improve yourself? And that's something that I've done all my life. I feel like I've always self-evaluated myself. Like, what can I work on? And when I sat down and I realized, actually, you're so impatient, you're so impulsive in these charts, you have no discipline whatsoever. And again, the mind of somebody with ADHD is just chaos. I, I live on chaos all the time. And everything's so unorganized in my life. And if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be screwed. <laughs> she literally organizes everything for me. So it's like when I started to dissect and say, okay, right, I need a system. I need rules. I need a model. And that's my building blocks. And I need to just stop trying to look for 15 to one risk reward trades. Just go for one to one. Just go for one to one risk, no more than 0.5% in the beginning and see how you go. And what it was in the beginning is like, because I had so much scar tissue from doing stupid shit and me and doing wrong things and losing a lot of money that I was afraid to take trades. So I was like, I don't want to be wrong. And that is massively detrimental. And anybody who's been as a trader, who's been in it for a while will know that you cannot be afraid to be get wrong. Everybody's going to get it wrong, right? You're, you're, you're trying to like minimize damage control here. This is what you're trying to do is you're damage controlling your, your, the first thing is, is not trying to lose money, right? And if I was only using a one-to-one -one and I started seeing, okay, this is what I'm tracking. I'm, this is this is my win rate. This is what I'm doing. And so it started off really, really terrible. I went from going from a demo into live trading. There was a huge psychology thing that you had to, a whole paradigm shift. So when I was doing well in demo in the beginning, suddenly to live trading, I, I lost one trade. I'm like, shit, you know, spins out the window. And again, it's just chaos. So I'm like, nah, nah, you need to calm down, relax your ass and start making rules. And okay, if you lose a trade, you lose a trade. Start looking at it over, over the space of a month, over the space of a quarter, over the space of six months, and then you can see what you're doing. And that is when it started to click for me because I realized, hang on a minute. I know that I'm actually very, very, very accurate in calling the market direction. I'm not great on my entries yet. But I can see where the market's going to go. 
the algorithm is very limited in what it can do. And it's only going to do two major things is repri reprice to inefficiencies to rebalance, or it's going to reprice to liquidity above old highs or below old lows. When you start understanding how smart money is pairing long positions with the sell stops below old lows and offsetting those to the buyers who are willing buyers with a big flag waving above old highs, you can understand that that's really how the market is booking is liquidity to liquidity. And then the algorithm has to book on an, a market efficiency paradigm where it's, it's, it's logic is based on parameters of fair value. And in order to have fair value, it made so much sense when I was trying to think about it because these fair value gaps, that is an ICT concept that now is taken off and everybody's talking about fair value gaps. When price reprices too quickly through one, one side, whether it's buy side delivery and you'll get a buy side imbalance, the market has to, or the algorithm has to reprice to offer fair value. So it'll reprice back through that range with sell side delivery. So that's one of its functions. It's one of its parameters that it has to do. And the other one is to liquidity above old highs and below lows. The algorithm doesn't know where the liquidity is. It doesn't know like where your stops are. The interbank traders who understand how the algorithm books price and the, the algorithmic footprints in price, they capitalize on the movement of price. The algorithm is only meant to manipulate price up and down. So it's inducing buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling. The algorithm runs on buy and sell programs. It's a buy program into a sell program, into a sell program, into a buy program. It's one big buy and sell program from higher time frame down to lower time frame and then back up again. And then when I understood the components of how the algorithm books price, and then I started to incorporate time and stuff into there, the, the precision, the, I could know exactly when price is going to do something. I knew what level price was going to key off and when a macro would enter the market in order to spool price to one of these levels. I was able to measure how high or how low that, that buy or sell program can go before it gets there. I would, I would have all different confluences in price from like high time frame down to a lower time frame. And then when I started incorporating macro and economic, like the economic calendar, the news events, the manipulation that took place, and I started to look at like, uh, cot data, I started to look at seasonal tendencies, I started to incorporate the bonds into market analysis. Suddenly, I'm starting having loads of different charts, and I'm painting a picture, and it's a tapestry from the algorithm running from one market to the other, and everything's linked. And when people now say there's no algorithm, you're talking to somebody who's gone through 10 years as a pharmacist, so I'm not thick. I've not done a baby degree. There's a lot of information that I had to digest, and then employ that into pharma, into um, the algorithm and really dissect and understand. I'm not some kid who just finished school and said, well, there's no algorithm because Trendline works or Elliott Wave works or whatever. I'm not discounting anything. They all work if you're going to put risk management, but that's not why price is moving. If you really, really want to get into the deep core of why the algorithms book and how the markets are moving, this is this is coming up six years in January worth of like really deep study on the algorithm. So it's easy for people to turn around and write it off because they say, oh, mainly it's because they say ICT is an arsehole. And he can be. And even I've had my ups and downs with ICT. But you cannot deny the mark that he's left on the industry and how amazing his work is. And you have to give credit to somebody who's come in, who didn't need to do this, who came into the industry and then taught it for free and said, actually, where everybody's talking about buying and selling pressure because we've all listened to the books. And just like my degree was wrote by the pharmaceutical companies, the trading books were wrote by the banks. They're telling everybody exactly where to place their stops and their, <laughs> their orders. So 
the whole thing's rigged. And when this guy came in and said, actually, all of you are wrong, it's based on an algorithm, he pissed a lot of people off. But the people who really thought, okay, let me see and let me entertain this guy and let me really dive deep into it. And I'm not the only one. There's thousands of people out there who've done it for years. There's thousands of charter members who have been with him for even longer than I have been. And they've managed to really find so much intricate detail in the algorithm. And Michael has only released, like, <laughs> what he's released, even though the information is absolutely enormous, you're looking at from 2016 or every week there was an maybe an hour, hour and a half video all the way to 2023, plus everything that he had in his charter teachings, everything that he had for free on YouTube. You're looking at all his old SoundCloud stuff to his Twitter spaces. I've been through absolutely everything, even now. And the reason why I, I found my models long ago, I've got multiple models now, right? But the reason I do is because now I'm so passionate about this algorithm and how it works. I want to carry on that legacy and teach the next wave of traders. Because of the way I'm wired with ADHD, I have to have everything in a simple chronological format. It has to be structured and organized. And I didn't get that with Michael. So when I had all this information and I finally... <laughs> Originally, I even made the, the courses for myself so that when I was going back through my own revision, my own study notes, I had it in that order. This is all the videos that he's taught, spoke about an order block. And when I came to the conclusion, okay, this, 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 all of these match, it isn't just one component that makes mm. an order block. At first, I'm trading every single down close candle thinking it's an order block because in his core commentary, in his core content, that's what he said. It's a down close candle. Every down close candle, it's an order block. It's, there's million, there's other things that he hasn't spoken about, but he spoke about three years later in a commentary somewhere. So it's funny because people who have gone through that process completely understand, right? And it's frustrating on one part, but getting back to that point when I actually sat down with the missus and she was like, yeah, but look how well you've known it. And it's true because he was teaching us how to read Jade. And I now am grateful that he didn't spoon feed it because this is what he's done now on YouTube. He's given you the silver bullet. He's given you the 2022 model. I worked that out on my own, that 2022 model. I literally worked it out a year before he put it on YouTube and it took me three, four years to work it out. And then he put it on YouTube for three hours. I'm not gonna lie. Like, why did you do and, this? And so, so that's only, there's only one model that's on that free mentorship on YouTube, yeah. And it's amazing that 2022. I, I cannot stress how good it is. Right? You do not need anything. I sell courses. I'm telling you, you do not need anything other than that 2022 model. It is that damn good, and that's coming from somebody who studied this for years and years and years and years. It's everything that you need, everything that you're looking for in price as a model. The problem is you haven't got the background of it. You don't understand really what order blocks are, what fair value gaps are. You don't understand dealing range, premium to discount. And so it's not designed for absolute beginners because a lot of beginners come in and start with the 2022 mentorship and they haven't got a clue what's going on because like, well, what's an order block? And it's funny because the amount of people that came to me and said, the 2022 mentorship, it's, it, I don't get it, it's garbage. I'm like, how is it garbage? This is, it took me years to figure out myself. And I realized that the problem was, is that they didn't understand the core fundamentals of what's an order block, a fair value gap, dealing ranges. They didn't understand the, the core concepts. So that's exactly why I went and wrote the, the ICT Bible. I thought, you know what? Let me write something that's free. It took me a few months to do it. And I was like, if I can get something out there and I can combine that with the 2022 model, that was the light bulb moment. And the amount of DMs, the amount of messages that I've had saying that we went through the 2022 mentorship, didn't understand it. We went through the ICT Bible and then went through the 2022 mentorship. And these guys are now making money. They're like, it changed everything. So I wanted to have, the reason I did it was just because when ICT came out and he started doing everything and teaching things for free, 
I wanted to do something because he's my mentor. I was like, I want to do something for the community as well. So let me make this free ebook, right? Yes, I'm collecting emails at the same time and I have my own business and stuff. But at the same time, people moan about, oh, you're selling courses and stuff like this. I'm smart. I make money from trading, but I'm trading what? An hour, hour and a half in a day. What am I going to do for the rest of the time? So I've made a business on the sideline of having so much knowledge. And it's people wouldn't come to me if I was shit. I'm calling the markets now like ICT used to do. I'm doing it with my own students every week and they can see it. If I was shit, they, they wouldn't come to me. Yeah, exactly. So I Exactly. So, But it hasn't come by the way of me just watching a couple of videos on ICT. This is six years now worth of deep study. And to put it into perspective, my degree was five years long. I've done it for longer than my own degree. And this stuff... I'm super passionate about. I love it. I love trading. I love the algorithm. I love te teaching. I never thought I'd like teaching, honestly, but it's become a, a passion and people say, oh, you've, you're a very good teacher. And I think the only reason for that is because the way my brain is wired, I have to have it very, very concise and very to the point. And that was the biggest struggling point between me and ICT is that I, it, it wasn't to the point. It yeah. wasn't concise. Cause, cause so how, how, did you, how did you like bridge that gap between like, you know, the six years worth of learning, gathering notes, all this information, and then applying that learning to the chart because that's like quite a big gap that you've got to bridge because it's, you've got to get you've got to get gap. I mean you obviously see him calling these levels and stuff but I suppose you've got to work out how did he get that level and then you've got to sort of work yeah. it back to the notes and then work it back yes. to the chart so that you can call the same level or or predict the level in the future. I mean, how on earth did you do that? Because it seems like the impossible task. It it felt like that, and to be honest with you, this is the truth. Even though after like maybe three, three and a half years of really studying ICT stuff, and when I couldn't make it work, the amount of times I wanted to just give up because I was like, there, the, trading and reading price is a whole different ballgame. And for some reason, even though I'm fantastic as an analyst and I can see where the market is going, I can't trade to save my life. I'm losing money. I'm getting blown accounts left, right and center. Why can't I do it? And that's when I really, when I said the self-evaluation came into it and I said, okay, well, let me dissect myself. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I like impulsive and why am I losing money? Why can't I wait? And I realized that for me, and most of it was impatience. Like I had to, number one, make a routine and I had to say to myself, right, okay, let me just put the bullshit out for a minute and let me just go back to basics and let's say, okay, what? time window do I want to be in front of my charts? Because this is really where the turning point was. I'm extremely impulsive, extremely impatient. And when you can read price and fluctuations in price so well, you want to get into absolutely everything, right? I'm like a dog chasing cars. ICT uses that analogy himself, but like, it's true because I'm seeing prices fluctuate. I, I want to be in that move. I want to be in yeah. that move. But I know that 8.30, there's a manipulation event. The economic calendar is already giving me the roadmap. They're saying that there's going to be some sort of volatility injection that's going to come into the market. I can see already that the higher time frame weekly expansion is going to go lower. So what am I doing? I'm waiting for relative equal highs or a, or a high to be taken out of, as a manipulation. And then I'm looking for a change in state of delivery to go lower, to attack the opposing liquidity. I knew this, but why can't I do it is because... What am I doing if, if the markets are half eight is when I'm looking to for the manipulation? Why am I in the markets at 7 a.m.? I'm there for an hour and a half, knowing full well that I cannot concentrate for that amount of time, not when I'm looking at trading. 
reading price or studying is completely different. But if I'm trying to now analyze the charts, I'm trying to analyze my risk, I'm trying to contain my emotions, I'm trying to not be impulsive, all these things going on in my head at the same time and I'm sat there in front of the charts for an hour and a half before my window even opens, what am I doing? So it was like, right, go back to the drawing board and look at, okay, give yourself an hour, hour and a half maximum. I feel like a 90 minute window, that's like my optimum. So I was like, right, what do I want to look for in that 90 minute window, right? Number one, I want to refer to the economic calendar first. What days of the week do I even want to be in there? It's a Monday today. It's a bank holiday. There's there's no news. Friday was a large range day. We're likely to consolidate. It's going to be choppy price action. It's probably going to be a seek and destroy profile. If I go in here, all I'm doing is spending mental capital. So don't even put my charts on. And when I realized that actually, because I'm so impulsive, doing something like walking away from my charts or just turning my charts off or just doing something completely different for the day would stop the impulsiveness to go in there and want to trade. You see, the way I'm wired is that if I've sat there for 10, 15, 20 minutes, I'm agitated. I'm waiting for this trade to get in. And if I've got into a trade, and sometimes I would I would only, I just put in a trade just to see what would happen because I'm like, I've sat here. So I want to do something. You know, and, and I understand many people are probably in that same boat where they're like, well, I'm just going to hit the button just to see what happens. I think it's going to go there. And what I had to do was is to really find discipline and say, right, this is the window of opportunity. And this is the price level you're waiting for it to come to. You do not engage until after either the news manipulation event. So news now, it, it has two different things. It's either going to be a manipulation to run liquidity or rebalance, or it's going to be a catalyst where we've already had a change in state of delivery. A change in state of delivery means when we've already had, say, a, a buy program going higher, and then we have a sell program going lower. That change in state of delivery, that is that is what I'm looking for. That's for me the holy grail. I'm looking at what time, I can predict what time that's going to happen. I can predict where it's likely to happen, at what key level it's likely to happen. I can predict that before it even gets there. So when I can when I can bring in the economic calendar and I can say, okay, on a Wednesday, there's a high manipulation event. I'm assessing what has price done prior to the news, who's been making money prior to the news, where's the stops and what's the higher time frame direction? What's the higher time frame order flow? Are we in a higher time frame sell program? In which case, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we may have a manipulation going higher into a key level, into an imbalance on that daily or weekly time frame. Once it gets there, then I'm assessing, okay, what is price going to do? Have we had a displacement lower? Is the algorithm now tipping its hand to say, okay, buy program complete, sell program now starts. Where's the liquidity? Well, everybody's been who's been making money. That's where they're placing their stops. There's a huge pool of liquidity down there. There's relative equal lows. There's a consolidation. That's where we're going to reprice to. Then I go into it and I, then I go into the lower time frames, and then I'm pyramiding. Between the point of origin from that change in state of delivery to the terminus, which would be the equal lows, I'm pyramiding until 50%, so equilibrium of that range. I don't add any new positions if I go below equilibrium. My favorite model is the market maker model. And it's something now that I've just created up my own course on and all the years of information, I've just put it together in really, really concise videos. Um, and to be honest with you, I, didn't, I knew it was good when I did it uh, because I've spent a stupid amount of time. And I remember when I finished it, I was like, shit, if I had this when I started, everything would be different. And the feedback that I've had from it is just insane. Um, and when you really understand market maker models, you can trade anything and everything, any time frame. It doesn't matter because the market is booked on market maker models of buy and sell programs. Essentially, what a market maker model is, is a buy and sell program. When you factor in time with market maker models and you can understand your key data points and your key levels that the algorithm is reaching for, 
all that's left then is waiting. And I didn't, I wish I was taught this in the beginning that most of what you're going to do as a trader is wait. You're going to sit on your ass and do nothing, right? You have to get good at waiting. That was for me the hardest part because I would be like, right, I know it's going to get to that level. I know it's going to get there, but my time window isn't open, but I'm impatient and I'm going to take a trade. And 100% of the time, I'm going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's just gone higher. I know, like, when you're doing that, the, the other thing that like sort of made me realize I need to stop doing that is because all I'm doing is, even if it gets to that level, I'm just opening my risk and I'm opening my stop. Mm. There's no point. Just let it get and do what it's going to do. And when when you see it, and then in the end, it was a checklist. What things am I looking for? I'm looking for a checklist. When all this checklist ticks off and things align, and then I'm getting feedback from all the other different asset classes, the bonds are giving me information, the stock indices are giving me information, the forex is giving me information. I'm comparing that to the dollar index. When I start getting all these things together, I'm like, right, okay, now I'm seeing an SMT divergence in a time where I'm expecting manipulation. I've seen a change in state of delivery. Then it becomes so easy because all I'm doing then is like, well, the weekly time frame is definitely going lower. It's so easy. It's poised to go lower. And if that weekly time frame is in the second stage of redistribution or reaccumulation, then it's it's just gold. So in the end, I realized, and this was a real hard one for me, is trading less was better for me. I wanted to get in there and trade three, four, five times a day. I'm trading everything. I thought the more I trade, the more money I'm going to make. And in the end, I got to a point where it was like, no, if I really am selective, number one, I'm saving mental capital and I'm not going to be impatient because I'm not going to be in the charts when I don't need to be, right? And the second thing is, is I forgot, forgot what I was saying. Yeah, you are saying that. I mean, just you, you trade less, right? Because you know, I know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm back in my mind is like, you know, the, the less you trade because, you, you, I mean, essentially... I suppose you're picking the cream of the crop, aren't you? You don't want to just get in something like some one hour trade 100%. or a half hour trade. Yeah, you're right, but yeah. it's not worth it's not worth my time to manage it's not, it. Exactly. And, you know. In the end, I was like, with the amount of mental capital and things that I have to do, because as you can see, the way I'm talking to you, right? There's a lot of analysis that goes into it. And I'm not even getting into the fundamental side of things, but there's a whole cascade of analysis. And at first it was just very, very simple. I was looking for a break in market structure, an optimal trade entry. And don't get me wrong, people make a lot of money just breaking market structure and optimal trade entry. And they say, yeah, we're ICT's best students. But if I went and spoke about the algorithm and buy and sell programs, they have no clue what I'm talking about. You make money using a concept. So it goes to show you don't need to know everything mm. about ICT. I'm just worried that I had to know everything about ICT. I mean, can you and, give us some like sort of stats around like that market maker method? Like if you're taking a typical month of trading that particular method, what would that look like see, from a... Win rate, risk to reward, average, that kind of thing. When I used to, you see, is some anybody who's understood ICT concepts understands like, and I know the general theme in the industry is that you should track and data and this and that and everything. And I used to, right? But because I was on unorganized number one, and because my models were changing all the time, I couldn't collect data on one thing. I couldn't collect data on one order block or one PD array because I'm using multiple different models. And it comes down to depending on what climate, what climate we're in. It comes down to the economic calendar. It comes down to what stage of accumulation or distribution we were in. And when I was trying to put all the stats together, I was like, look, this is it's doing me in here, right? I understood that I have an edge and I know that edge is good. When I was back testing one simple model, I was getting in the high 80s. And I'm like, you know, my general first one was one to one, one to two. Then I got to a one to three and I was doing well with that in demo. 
that was completely different and went out the window, went into live trading and stuff. So I was like, I cannot keep up with all the different facts. So what I do is, is before I start, I'm journaling, number one, how am I feeling in the day? If I know I've had a, an argument with the wife or something, I'm just going to go into these charts and look for revenge. I know me. I know that's going to happen. So I'm like, okay, is it wise for you to trade today? Probably not. Okay, let's call it a day. So I journal my feelings and then I journal the game plan. I journal what had, have what has price already done and what is it likely to do next? And does that fit in line with the bias that I'm in? So that's something that I'll, I'll um, data I'll collect. But what I'm really tracking is just my percentages now. I'm just, I'm looking for three, four percent a week. If I do that, I'm good. Sometimes I'm over it. Sometimes I'm under it. Sometimes I don't do anything all week. I just, it's just shit week and I haven't seen any setups all week. So I don't track now where, okay, what am I going to get with the market maker model? Because I can trade first stage, second stage, smart money distribution, low risk sell. You probably don't understand anything I'm saying to you, but all the different entry methods and techniques, it comes down to what can I see in the charts at the time? It's not always just as clear as saying, well, look, you know, you have an order block here and this is a fair value gap. It has to fit within a framework, within the context. And the number one reason why most ICT traders are failing is because they become pattern traders. They're looking for a specific pattern, but they don't have any framework or context behind it. Why is that pattern going to hold? Support and resistance will hold under context, right? So they're missing the, the whole picture. You're missing the framework behind why price is going to do what it's going to do. And that is narrative. That's market narrative. And now that I am here where I am and I was lucky enough to be under Michael's private mentorship, that is what he was nailing down for so many years when he was showing us where price is going to go and why it should go there. That was the narrative. Why is it going to do something? The market isn't going to do something for no reason, right? It'll go into periods of consolidation or time distortion or it'll be marking time, but that's a reason for it. It's already filled its buy side parameters. We've already gone back into a premium. We've already rebalanced the fair value gap. We've already taken a swing high. Now we're waiting for the next set of instructions. So what's the algorithm going to do? It's going to mark time in the form of a consolidation until the next set of instructions come. And then it's going to spool as soon as them instructions come. And it's like a, it's like, like buses. They are going to come at specific times of the day and they're going to work like clockwork. And tell me, how can buying and selling pressure by random retail do that? What can buying and selling by buying and selling pressure by retail tell price is going to go exactly then? We shouldn't know it. If it was random retail buying and selling pressure, we should not know what price is going to get to a specific level and turn around. And that's how we trade. So when people say, oh, all you guys are ICT cults, don't get me wrong. I dislike the ICT cult. I'm not an ICT purist. And I'm, I've always been open about saying that you do not need to have real deep understanding of ICT and you don't even need ICT to make money, right? Otherwise, there's loads of people who I've got friends who don't even trade ICT. When I talk to them about ICT, they're like, oh, shut the fuck up, Ali. <laughs> you know, they don't understand yeah. what you're saying. I just make money. And that's all. In the end, that's all you need to do. For me, I just needed to know. And I just became extremely passionate about really understanding it. But it does get to a point where... It's now so obvious with hundreds of thousands of people around the world who are really dissecting this algorithm that you can't now argue with it and say, yeah, well, there's no algorithm. I think the whole thing needs to be scrapped. And Now, in terms of like uh, the algorithm and I mean, what I'm trying to picture and, and paint together, because I've only watched like the first eight videos of the ICT free mentorship, yeah. so I'm not, not fully aware of it, but to piece together part of an al the algorithm or one of your algorithms to find, say, for example, the high or low of a week, how many components yeah. would be included in that and how long would it take you to actually mark up a chart or do your analysis to get that 
you know, I think this is going to be the high or low of it's the a week. Good question. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So there's a series of different like questions you have to ask yourself. And that's essentially that's what an algorithm is. It's a series of inputs and outputs, right? So when I look at the price and look at price charts and look at uh, what the algorithm is likely to do, I'm asking myself what the algorithm has already done. And from that, what is the algorithm likely to do next, right? If the algorithm reaches this price point, then this might be the likely option, right? So there's if and then functions. So that's how I base everything. One of the fundamental things I ask myself first is who's been making money, right? Is it been buyers or has it been sellers, right? From there, then when I first started, obviously I was only looking at one chart on one time frame. really. I was completely blind. It was like, what, 5% of the vision. As you grow and as you adapt and as you developed, you start bringing on the fa other facets of ICT in, into, your, into your work, right? So now what I'm looking at really, if say if I want to find what the high of the week is going to be, number one, I'm referring to firstly, like what season are we in? I'm looking at seasonal tendencies because there's a lot of data collected on seasonal tendencies. And this is from a macro perspective, right? So if I know that we're generally in a bearish seasonal tendency and I can see that in price that we are looking to go lower and we're likely to go lower and the market from a higher time frame is predisposed to go lower then what i'm waiting for is the manipulation higher right so what i'm looking at is the essentially i'm looking at the weekly expansion so if the weekly expansion is going to go lower i'm and say there's like a sell side liquidity pool that the that the algorithm and the markets are targeting right because there's going to be a huge pool of sell stops below there right so i'm looking at right of the market, there is a sell-side imbalance, right? Now, I know that the algorithm is going to retrice to two things, like I said, liquidity or rebalance inefficiencies. So it's I'm looking then at the economic calendar. I'm like, okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have high impact news. Not a lot of news on Monday. And generally on Monday, I tend not to trade it. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for me are the best days of the week, right? So when I'm looking at Tuesday, Wednesday, we have high impact news. And I'm waiting for the market to go higher because I anticipate it to go lower. I'm looking for that manipulation higher. That may happen on Tuesday. It may happen on Wednesday. Once it gets to that level, then I'm looking for that change in state of delivery. I'm also looking at other market classes and I'm looking at, okay, well, if this is a correlated pair and it's making a higher high, this should also make a higher high. If that fails to make a higher high, I know that there's professional distribution in that market class, which means that this is probably going to go lower and this is probably topped out for the high of the week. What I'm also looking at is how high can that buy program run? So there's measurements that I can do in pricing structure called deviations in price. And when I'm aligning these deviations with other key levels and say that aligns with the consequent encroachment of that fair value gap, which is the mid equilibrium point of a fair value gap, right? I know that's a level. It's a key level that the algorithm is going to refer to, right? It's even better if there's an old high sitting below that level, for example, right? Now, if my deviations align with that, and I'm, all, I'm measuring all the time, there's different institutional swing points within market structure that I'm measuring the more confluence I get that align with a higher time frame level, and then I bring in time and the economic calendar, you can get very, very precise. And now if I have anticipated, right, Wednesday, New York session, we have high impact news, and I'm looking for the manipulation into that key level and it hits it, and then I see my change in state of delivery or we've taken out a key high, then I'm like, right, okay, we've run liquidity or we've rebalanced. 
I'm now aligned. I'm looking at the other market classes and I'm looking at, okay, I'm seeing an SMT divergence. An SMT divergence is what I've just explained where ones fail to make a higher high in correlated asset classes. That's also giving me feedback. So I'm looking, it's a tapestry. I'm looking at what the bonds are doing. I'm looking at what Forex is doing. I'm looking at what the indices are doing. So it's a lot. There is a lot. But now mm. when I say this, this is why I'm saying that look for your best setups. Because you're putting in all this work to get the highest probability behind you. And that's what trading is, essentially, is you want to trade when the probability is the highest in your favor. So when I do all the background stuff now, I ain't going to spend 15, 20, 30 minutes of analysis of looking at all these different areas to then turn around and be like, oh, I'm going to take a two-pit move over here. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I want to make sure I'm in. I cannot. I, I, did, I never used to. Um, but now, if I'm if I'm sure that the buy program is going to reach a specific level to continue the higher time frame weekly expansion lower, if I'm feeling up for it, I can counter trend trade. But if I do that, then generally I'm putting my risk in half. My maximum risk is always going to go go on the side of the higher time frame expansion. So if we're poised to go for a sell program, I want to be in that sell program, and that's where my highest amount of pyramiding, that's my highest amount of leverage is going to be on that side. So you can determine it before it gets there yeah and how long would it take you to do the, all of that analysis for for just one market it used to take me ages half an hour 45 minutes now uh, and this is a great tip for anybody who is really studying with ict concepts now i'm only keeping my weekly and my daily levels on my time frame and everything else is naked and i've got different monitors up and with the different monitors i've got three screens on each monitor and I've got the different asset classes that I'm looking at. And now all I'm really looking at is the price line going across the chart. And I'm waiting. So my analysis now is like, I already know what I'm looking for before it gets there. It, it, it's weird because now where I am, I can look up and pull up a chart. And within seconds, I can be like, okay, I can see what it wants to do. And then all I'm doing then is just waiting. And then I'm looking visually to see what's happening with the other classes. And I'm like, right, okay, that one's already seen a structure break over there. And I know that's the weaker of the two of them. So this one here is likely to follow suit. So I'm I'm weighing that out. But now it's all just really done by eye. I can five minutes, I guess, now. So it, it's complete. I mean, across how many, how many asset classes are you looking at? in terms of so the, the ones that i'm mainly focusing on and it depends on what i'm trading if i'm trading obviously the forex classes my two main pairs i like to trade is gu and eu so the euro and the pound i'm cross-referencing that with eg the actual the actual pair mm. euro pound because i want to see which which where do i want to be and if if the euro pound is poised to go higher i know that the euro is going to be the stronger currency and if the dollar is going to drop and it's very important for me is using the dollar as a barometer if the dollar is going to drop, then I know that I want to be in euro, right? Because euro is going to go higher and euro's higher is more stronger than pound is currently. So that's one of the analysis I'm doing. I'm also looking at the bonds. Everything that I do starts on the bonds. I'm looking at the 10-year, the 30-year, and the five-year. And I'm looking at that from a higher time frame perspective. And then I'm incorporating IPTA data ranges and quarterly shifts and seasonal tendencies and COT data and all the other things I'm doing with it. But I'm only doing that really at a higher time frame macro level. I don't go tend to when I'm going down to the lower time frames, I'm not really too bothered about the bonds or what they're doing. I'm really looking at that for like a daily sort of weekly thing. Once a week, I'll I'll look at the three averages across the 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 bonds. I tend to use the yields. You can use the actual bonds, but the yields are inversely correlated to the actual bonds, you see, but they are directly correlated to the dollar index. So I'm looking at the averages. If I can see a deviation between the averages, then I'm gonna look at that one and 
cross-reference it to the dollar index. That's going to give me so much more insight to say, okay, the dollar index is likely to go lower or higher. Sometimes it's very difficult to even know because that's when you just sit on your hands and wait. If you can make a case for both sides of the market, but if if I can see what the dollar is likely to do, then I can see what your own pound are likely to do, right? If I'm trading the S&P or I'm trading NASDAQ, then I've got S&P, NASDAQ, and the Dow. And that's what I'm I'm looking at. And again, I'm looking at the correlation between them. I don't trade Dow. Dow is more of a barometer. And then I'm trading ES and I'm trading NAS. But what I'm looking at for, again, is something that we call the six sister. I'm looking at which one is stronger in both of them. So if I'm going to see them go higher, and I'm looking for relative equal highs on the S&P 500, for example, and I can see that NASDAQ has already cleared its buy side imbalance. I know that the S&P is likely to catch up if the dollar drops. So that's what I'm waiting for. So I'm assessing them all together. It's, I use the dollar for everything. So I think it's the most important one. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to really backtest and study, I would recommend backtest the study the dollar on the daily and weekly timeframes and the oh, amount yeah. of wealth of information. On Sorry? that back testing, I mean, how how on earth did you sort of bring in the fundamentals with the back testing? That, and also, again, this did, was—I was going to say—did did it sort of was there an added level of confidence that you had to sort of grow yeah. into where you you know you were bringing those fundamental kind of um, oh, you know, correlations and stuff? So, so you sort of like, oh, this is the technicals. I've got that. I back tested it. Yeah. Now I'm adding the fundamentals in, but. There yes. might be conflicting. Yeah, was, How on earth do you sort of manage it that? Was, it, well, there was a graduation. And again, with fundamentals, it's like, I don't trade and I won't ever make a decision based on one thing, right? My, the cut data might be conflicting with the seasonals and the seasonals might be conflicting with market structure at the time. Uh, and the, I never trade on just an SMT divergence alone. There has to be specific narrative and criteria behind it. So first for me, it's framework. I have to put myself into a way where it's like, okay, what is the market likely to do and what's the market already done? And that's the fundamental part first is when I'm looking at building a framework of why the market wants to move in a particular direction or does it just want to sit still? A few weeks ago, we were in a a balanced price range on the dollar index. And I said to my students, we're probably likely to consolidate here because we're mid-range inside of a balanced price range and we've already cleared buy-side liquidity. We've done everything that the algorithm needs to do. We've got a period of consolidation where the markets are choppy. Economic environment is a very important understanding what climate we're currently in. This is going to make a big difference. There's a reason why ICT doesn't trade mid-November till mid-February, because the markets tend to go quiet. He understands from past experience that this is a time if you're going to take a holiday, take a holiday. He's been telling this to us for years. So I it's not just a, a case of, oh, I've added this and I've added that. I've also had the the you know the opportunity to sit under Michael's wing for the last six years to see him talk about these things and they unfold and the the macro side takes a long time. You're not just going to see it over just one thing. This is years of looking at the same thing. Like okay, seasonals in May for the dollar uh, for for the pound are usually bearish, and I've seen it play out. And then when it's not bearish, that gives us a lot more insight as well. So then we can figure out how do we do how do we play this now, right? So. Understanding all of these things, it, 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 it takes time. Like you can't just look at one component. You have to blend many things because like you said, they are going to be sometimes that's conflicting and it's going to throw you off your bias. So I'm looking at, if I'm picking, say, the cut data and I'm looking at seasonals and I'm looking at SMT divergence and two of them align with me, that's good enough for me. If one of them is conflicting, then I'm like, yeah, I'm not too bothered. If two of them are conflicting and one of them aligns with my bias, then I'm more skeptical. I'm like, is this the highest probability? 
And again, it comes down to the fact that as traders, we're looking to be in the markets at the highest probability times. So when I can use for sometimes I won't I don't refer to them all the time. Like I said, I'm looking at them every quarter at the beginning of the month and sometimes at the beginning of the week. It's just to give me a macro perspective. Sometimes they're conflicting and sometimes they support my bias. If they're conflicting, then usually I'm just going down to a lower time frame and I'm probably more scalping rather than trying to hold okay. trades because I know that if I'm going to hold a trade and I'm going to swing trade or I'm mm -hmm. going to do short-term trading, I'm not likely to reach TPs. When I'm in them environments, I'm very aggressive with my stops and I'm also taking partials along the way. If I'm more on like, if I'm, if I can see if I'm in the second stage of distribution or something within the market maker model and I'm like, I'm going to just go for a full pool here. There's no point me taking any partials, but that comes as a confidence thing once you've got all the other things mm. aligned, basically. I mean, if you, if you had to sort of like, I mean, what we'd get to do is get into some quick fire questions here. So if you had to like break, yeah, yeah, sure, your, sure, sure. break your stats down and stuff into like, uh, I suppose, how many trades you take on a typical week? Um, yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. let's go with that one to start off with yeah so again that's something that's <laughs> down a lot and that, that there's a number of reasons number one right now with what's going on around the world it's it's if the, the markets and this is something again has come by way of experience when i'm seeing decoupled market conditions and different asset classes that should be moving in sync and they're not that for me is the biggest red flag first because i'm like this reduces my probability massively so there have been weeks where I've not taken a single trade just because I can't get a good read on the market. I went from trading maybe four or five trades a day to trading maybe two, three times a week. Sometimes it's even less than that. I'm only taking one. If I had a really good trade, say, earlier on in the week, I'm just switching off my charts. I'm like, I've hit what I wanted as a target. There's no point me sitting in here. Now I'll wait until next week. So like I said, coming back to doing the analysis and then just really reducing my trade frequency and looking for them really, really A plus cells. It, it's in that scenario, because this is something that's always sort of been a conundrum for me, is like in that scenario where mm. you're like, okay, I won the first trade of the week, it was a good trade, and it's made my 3% that I was aiming for or whatever it was. You want to go back in, don't you? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to turn the charts off for the week. Now, this is a conundrum I've got is like, yeah. what if you forget what you did or you just forget a little bit because you sort of like you know it's, it's like if you do the sports analogy you're not practicing the rest of the week or are you practicing to then go in the next week and be ready yeah. to take the exact same trade if it appears i.e you're not yeah, that's a very good question edge. i get you yeah yeah I, I actually understand that and something again I've, I've encountered myself i'm like if i don't trade trades i'm gonna get rusty uh yeah. the way i look at it now is i'm like okay Number one, there's a lot of analysis that goes into it. So I want to save as much mental capital as I can. And number two, the way I really look at it is, is like every single trade is independent of the next trade, right? I am at a stage where I'm confident enough in myself to be like, okay, if I don't touch the market for one or two weeks, I know that when I get back into it, okay, I'll have more of a fresh mindset. I'm not forgetting the technicals. I've done it long enough to know what I'm looking for in the market and Sometimes having a break has actually helped me where I've come back in more fresh. I'm not as tired. I'm I'm just I'm just more relaxed. And this is a thing that I've it's a thing that's worked for me over the years is when I start the week, I am not looking for a trade, which sounds strange as a trader. I'm not looking for a trade. I want the market to prove to me that this trade is so good that you're stupid not to take it. 
So I, you have to show me. I don't go in there anymore trying to force the trade. And that's what I used to do. I used to say, oh, I need to take this trade or I need to do that. Now I'm like, no, no, no. You tell me, I've been money into this, like my hard-earned money into this. You need to show me that this trade is so damn good that you're stupid not to take it. And that's how I look at it now. Mm-hmm. So I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush to get into mm-hmm. a trade. So in, in like, so you, I know you don't, uh, well, you didn't start off trading prop firms. I don't know if you're trading them, uh, trading with mm-hmm. them now. But uh, was there a was there a trade you remember from when you first sort of like cracked it and you're like, okay, I've got this now. Finally made some money. Was there a trade or a withdrawal you made that was like just a, like hallelujah? I I've never I've never looked at prop firms because they've only just come around recently. To be honest with you, the majority of the money that I ended up in my own personal funded account was when I sold my pharmacy. And that was a big debate I had with my wife because I'm like, I'm not going to go and buy a house with this. <laughs> put it into my into my yeah. account. And she's like, we had a massive fight over it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, oh, yeah. in the end, she was like, she could see the passion what I had and it paid off. Now she's chilling. <laughs> so she's just quit her job. She doesn't go to work and she, she does whatever she wants to do. So I'm glad that she ended up having that trust in me to do it. Um, Sorry, shit. What was the question? Uh, the question was, uh, did you have like a, a big payday or, or a withdrawal oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. a trade that was like, you know, this was the dollar figure that was like, there, there was there was trades that I took and oh, yeah. I made like decent money out of it. But in all honesty, I was just over leveraging massively at the time. So I try to when I ever tried to replicate those results, I'll just get my ass kicked. Um, but there was one time where like it was it was during a, a commentary like what Michael did, and it was something regarding the market maker models. And it was this one gem when he was talking about like the different types of gaps that were involved. And I thought to myself, if I can identify those gaps, then I can identify where I am within that buy and sell program. And for me, that was like sort of the turning point. And that's why I started to really look into the market maker model. And he said that his favorite model, and if he could only trade one thing, would be the second stage of reaccumulation or the second stage of redistribution, which is like the final leg of the market maker model. And usually you're going to have explosive price action in that area. And I took, I remember I took a trade and like, I caught it to the pip. I only had like a five pip stop loss and I had a one to six on it. And it just sunk right to the level I thought it was going to go to. And from there, it was like, this is the model that I want to do. It was obviously, that was, it, that was bit of luck at the time because I didn't really fully understand the model. Mm. But it, I knew then that this is going to build, I'm going to build on this. And then over the next few years, I started to build on that market maker model. And then what I ended up finding was, is that when I used to have big wins, the next time I went into a trade, I would shit myself because making money is also as hard sometimes as losing money because you have to deal with them kind of emotions. And I thought to myself, because I know me, I have to do this very slowly. So in the end, it was very incremental after that. I was like 0. 0.5%, 1%. 2% was like my maximum. But again, 2% I would be risking if I was in that second stage of accumulation distribution. And I know this is likely to go where I am. But of course, I'm gonna have a, I've had a series of losing trades. I've gone through a period where I've had three, four, five, six trades in a row where I've lost. And I thought, shit, have I lost my edge? Am I, I'm guess, second guessing now. That just it, that cycle, it just happens. Even experienced traders that I speak to now who are millionaires and make a lot of money, they say, look, we go through periods where three, four, five, ten trades sometimes in a row doesn't pan out. But that's where the psychology comes into because you've got to have that mindset and that belief and say, okay, yeah, I might have lost ten trades, but let's assess this over the next six months, right? Mm. The, the algorithm is still working. And then you just, it's, it's 
I find that with trading, it's always tweaking. But now it's not about tweaking my model. I think I know exactly what I want to look for. It's more about tweaking myself. And mm. that's something I still do struggle with. Most of my trades that I do lose even now is just impulsiveness. It's just not waiting as busy, stupid, reckless, yeah. doing stupid things when yeah. I know I shouldn't have done that. And I've yeah. just entered a trade just because. And I'm like, oh, shit, I yeah. shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't do that. But now when I didn't, I didn't used to, but now I, I journal that. I'm like, you know, there's stupid shit. <laughs> you, you, you know, don't do that again kind yeah, of thing. And yeah. I, I, I I like to say I learn from it. But Sometimes you don't. It's still yeah, difficult. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's still it difficult. That is it's probably the most difficult thing is, is turning up every day and trying to have the same mindset as you had the day before where it all went well. Yeah and and yes. execute now um a couple of other questions here before we wrap this thing up so what about like your recommended or preferred trading broker and platform look folks i know you want the answer to this question which broker is this trader using now the answer has been sponsored by black bull markets so to find the answer out you're going to need to go over to tradingnut.com find the show notes page for this guest and then all will be revealed now what about uh if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice what would it be for 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 who? For the listeners. listeners oh, sorry. People, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was. I thought you said you. I was going. You tell let, me. Let, let me ask the question again, because <laughs> I can let just edit it. Um, now, last question here for the day. So, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? So, the the best advice and the advice I would tell myself if I went back in time is don't rush this process. You have to give yourself time. It could take years. And in the beginning, if you already understand that this is a very difficult industry in the beginning, and this may take me three, four, five, six years before I even start making any money. But what I would say is just try to enjoy the process. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to say, I need to get this within six months. I need to get this in one year. Because what you're going to find is when you, it is not likely to happen. And when you get to that point and you realize I'm still not making money, you start trying to force it. And that's when you start to over leverage and try to do silly things. You've got to take this very, very, very slowly. And the slower you do this, the better it's going to be for you. So that for me, if I wish I went back in time, I would tell myself, I'd probably smack myself a few times and be like, listen, right? Just take it slow. Stop putting the pressure on you. Stop trying to rush the process. Take your time and enjoy it. And that's the best advice that I think I could give anybody. Awesome. Awesome. Great advice. Now, um, before you wrap up, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? So I am mostly active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Ali underscore Khan underscore ICT. Uh, I am just gone to Instagram again, Ali underscore Khan underscore ICT. Um, I have the ICT underscore Academy. Uh, no, the underscore ICT underscore Academy. Uh, that's on my Instagram and on Twitter as well. So that's where I give out like, I do little reels and little shorts and stuff of just price action. I have just gone onto YouTube. Um, so again, Ali underscore Khan underscore ICT. And I'm planning a whole massive, as you can see, I've got the whole setup and everything ready or shit. Um, and I'm going to basically, I'm hoping to start uh, my own podcast. It's going to be called uh, The Journal of a Trader. And I'm going to be talking about my experiences and really trying to give like more, like just shed a light on the trading industry in general and what it's like to be a trader. Um, and then I'm also got a few free courses coming out on YouTube as well. And just loads of gems about ICT. Like I've been doing gems on Twitter and Instagram and they've been doing well. Now I'm going to put those into video format and I'm going to show you on the charts. So there's loads and loads of things coming. But again, just I want to give back as much as I can to yeah. the community now that I'm grateful for where I am. And I want to awesome. follow in the footsteps of my mentor now. Right? So 
Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. We'll see how it goes. Well, look, thanks for coming on the show. It's been absolutely fantastic. A great story. I know tons of information in there that people can sink their teeth into. Look, a big thank you to Ali for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here, along with all those links he's just mentioned, are going to be in the show notes. Uh, there'll be a link below the in the podcast description or in the video description. So go and click on that. Or if you're on Trading Nut, search for Ali in the search box. Until next time, I wish all my listeners a trading happiness and success. All right, folks, there you have an interview done and dusted with Ali. Now, do remember we shot that video where he breaks down uh, his journey on the charts all the way to ICT's favorite setup. So if you do want to see how he does it on the charts, go and check that out. It's on the YouTube channel. Uh, other things we've got going on here, remember we've got that Black Bull Markets merch pack giveaway, so you can get these trader keys as well. And they've, that runs or wraps up at the end of the year. So if you do want to be one of those 10 people to get access to this, then please jump over there to Black Bull. There's a link below the video for this, an exclusive win with trading that as well. So you've got to click that link. Uh, you also can get a 100% deposit bonus up to your first $1,000 deposit or at Blackball, if you click that link only, it's exclusive on that link. Now, remember, we've got those uh, funding challenges that you can get access to if you do want to take a live stream on the Trading Nut channel, uh, take a spot. There's a form below the uh, video or in the podcast description. Go and check that out. Uh, and remember, you got coupons for Blue Guardian and Apex as well. So if you do want to take the challenge now yourself, then go and do that. Grab those coupons. Uh, other things we got the light. We got the mystery trader dropping trades on that Telegram channel. So if you're not seeing what these trades are, they're very easy to take, then go and check it all out. And something special coming here in 2024. A couple of things actually. So all over here on Trading Up. All right, folks, have a great trading week and we'll see you in the next episode.